it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian has the day off. It's an honor to fill in and work with this wonderful team of Allison Pete and Eric. I'm Harry Hurley, and I'll be with you here today. And it is a big news day, and we're coming right out of the box swinging with one of the best in the business. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. We, we've had the, I want, I want to call it a privilege. It's not just a pleasure because she's obviously in, as pleasant as anyone that you'll ever come across. Of course, unless your name is Andrew Cuomo, uh, and then you better watch out. Uh, New York Times bestselling author, the new book, I Am the Storm, Inspiring Stories of People Who Fight Against Overwhelming Odds, awesome book. It should not only be in your library and it will look good, but you should read between the pages, between the cover and the back cover, because the words are are moving and inspiring and important. And, of course, the host of the Janistine podcast. And you can follow her on Twitter, at Janistine. Janice, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Harry. My honor, your honor. (laughs) Now, I have to say... Your testimony uh, recently before the House Oversight Select Committee on the coronavirus pandemic hearing was it was persuasive. It was powerful. It was I'm sure I I, I was talking to the guys before the show. They they use this term cathartic. I don't know that it was cathartic because when your mother-in-law and your father-in-law are are senselessly, needlessly, basically, I, I think murdered because we should have learned, Janice, you and I have talked about this several times over the years. Why didn't we learn from Washington State? We watched people get demolished in that nursing home. How could how could Governor Cuomo do this? And then how could he brag how great he was while he was doing this? Well, I think all of it is combined. Uh, and I mentioned that during my testimony. I think the fact that he was pitching a $5.1 million book yeah. – in March of 2020, Disgusting. before he actually launched the 9,000 COVID-positive patients into nursing homes and also knew how big a tragedy this could be because many times he said this would be like fire through dry grass. That's exactly what the um, what the committee was called uh, when I went to testify, the fire through dry grass and trying to find out why he where the march 25th order came from i have my suspicions and i mentioned this in my testimony um, that i think it has to do with hospital lobbyists there is a money trail there's a lot of powerful people involved it had nothing to do with science or trying to save lives and that's what i want to get to the bottom of uh and i really believe the fact that he wanted to be a president one day made him do terrible things including um hiding those numbers that is so on point. I, I'm buying all of that because you could see it. I mean, when he would do those daily press briefings, he was auditioning to be the next president of the United States. And, and he was so intellectually dishonest, as you say, how off-putting to put out that book deal uh, while people were dying. He couldn't even wait uh, for the pandemic to be over. He struck, I hate to say it, he struck while the iron was hot. Mm-hmm. How did you, Janice, find the um, – 
the, the, the just the, the, the intestinal fortitude, the the I, I know love. Obviously, you're a beautiful person, and this is your family that got demolished because of him. But how did you find the resolve to do what you did? Because it wasn't easy what you did during that time. I'm not sure. That's a good question. But it's three years later, and I'm st- I still have a fire inside of me. Maybe now more than ever. Now that I see that people are listening in Washington, I mean, when I testified, Harry, I believe that some of these lawmakers really didn't know the story because, you know, it's very New York central. Um, There were other states, by the way, that had the same mandate. Um, Pennsylvania and New Jersey were highlighted during the hearing um, and their wording was exactly the same as Governor Cuomo. So. In the beginning, it was just to try to find answers. And because I had a platform, I was able to, you know, question what was going on in New York when no one would. I think that was one of the main reasons is I was getting so frustrated with mainstream media, putting him on every single day on CNN with his brother, with the giant Q-tips, making jokes. That made me so angry. And because I was able to have a microphone um, and, you know, the blessing of this wonderful workplace to be able to do that. And I'm not a political person. You know, it's he likes to blame it on politics, Governor Cuomo. But this was never about politics. And none of the family members that I've met with do I know who they voted for. No introduction required, but it's in my contract. It's Janice Dean on the Brian Kilmeade show, Newsmaker Hotline. And I always remember those giant Q-tips that the brothers Cuomo were, were bragging over and laughing and mocking, as you say, while people were dying they were toilet bowl swabs, you know, t- toilet cleaners that they were holding up. Uh, maybe maybe just a little message there that mm. uh, I just want to put out there. Uh, in terms of uh, when Governor Cuomo went from fake hero to zero and his whole brand was blowing up and they're coming out of the woodwork with t- alleging bad touching and uh, allegations that he didn't even write his own book had staff members. I mean, could he wants to make millions and won't even do the work, has other people doing that even. What what were you how were you processing when he was self-destructing? I don't know if he really believes he's self-destructed, but I know that it certainly looks like they used the easy scapegoat. And I'm not saying what he did to the women wasn't, you know, important because he was abusive and I've talked to many of them and I'm good friends with many of them. Um, But they kind of thought this is the way we should get rid of him instead of the real stuff that might have criminality attached to it. Um, And so they took advantage of that. And I think they just said, you better resign because if you don't, uh, you're going to be impeached and all of this other stuff that you probably don't want to come out uh, is going to bite you in the butt, you know. And, I mean, we've had the Attorney General, Letitia James, release her report saying yeah. that the numbers were fudged by at least 50 percent. We've had the state comptroller, Tom DiNapoli, come out and say, you know, this was a huge mistake and there were, you know, there was a cover up. Uh, and and that we should be investigating. But I don't trust our own governor right now, Kathy Hochul. Oh. She pretended that she was going to look into it. So I don't believe her. But I do believe some of the lawmakers that I talked to in Washington, that they do want to launch an investigation. They are going to be interviewing him. And if he doesn't um, say yes to the interview, they will subpoena him. It is the amazing Janice Dean on The Brian Kilmeade Show. 
How much unfinished business do you have in your estimation about this still? I want answers. And if it takes the rest of my life to find them, I hope that doesn't happen because history will repeat itself if we don't find out why this happened, why nursing homes were the only place for this government to send COVID positive patients when we had other uh, facilities, which I, I mentioned during my testimony, the USS Comfort and the Jacob Javits Center. We had a, an admiral that was, was begging the Cuomo administration to bring patients aboard the USS Comfort. Instead, they were like, oh, no, you know, we, oh my gosh, we're going to be blamed for this. So all of this has to come out and we need subpoenas to make this happen. We need to be able to expose emails and connections and phone calls and texts so that we um, you know, make make sure we find out what the origins were. Yeah, you are so correct, Janice. There were hospital grade yes. facilities. Yes. And they put them in tight facilities. At great cost. Pro- yes. To without, the taxpayer. Yes, millions. I don't want to bring back bad, bad memories, but I want to get a raw, raw reaction. Uh, Eric, play for Janice and the esteemed listeners of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Former Governor Cuomo cut 34. New York State, we're only about 28 percent only. But we're below the national average in number of deaths in nursing homes. But who cares? 33, 28, died in a hospital, died in a nursing home. They died. Yeah, how, to, how to respond to that? It's just so gross. Disgusting. It is disgusting. And, and he lied about the numbers of while he, did. he was taking credit yes. for being so compassionate. It, it is, but it's it's, a mo- that's a monster but that at work. But that shows you the type of person that he was. He wanted to boost his profile and make money off the lives of dead seniors. Um, and that's exactly what he did. He lied to sell himself to America. And I'll tell you what, without maybe the, the women coming forward – Janice, I believe you're absolutely right. The thing that was more important, and I'm with you, I'm not discounting improper touching and all the things that were alleged are, are you know, horrible and, and probably in keeping with, with his, his uh, character. But without that, he would still be governor probably. Well, he's not. He's not governor anymore. But I know that he's still rearing his head. He is broadcasting as much as he can. He's actually kind of going moderate now. And it wouldn't surprise me if he became a Republican just to continue to try to keep his voice out there. Well, don't you see it? I mean, I I I think I see it. He he has turned on what he thinks is the party that turned on him. Yes. So he's trying to find a new turf to play his game on. So now he's this reasonable, oh, my God, you think I was bad. Look at these crazy people, Hochul, Mm -hmm. and these crazies. So, you know, I'm not so bad after all. I think he truly believes, Janice Dean, that he has a second act. Oh, he most certainly does, but not while I'm around. Yeah, you. I, I, I say this behind your back. Why shouldn't I say it to your face? You took him down. You really did. You put heat on him that the the entire Democrat establishment, you know, legacy, whatever you want to call them, uh, political action committee for the Democratic Party. They were overlooking all of these issues and you would not stop. And, and you know, you have so you have millions of people that love you and and, and I'm one of them. Uh, such respect for what you did. And you showed. Have you ever had an opportunity to decompress and reflect on what you did? Probably not. You know, I 
I, I still feel like I'm in the midst of it. I'm in the eye of the storm, you know, and finally I felt like people were listening. Um, they were horrified, Harry. Yeah, I really think that D.C. didn't know the scope of what was going on. But I had a Democratic lawmaker say to me, this sounds like medical malpractice. That's what I thought. We have to find out. And so it was like finally a glimmer of hope. I'm not going to get that here in New York State, but I might get that in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I, I believe you will because you you command respect uh, and you, you've been professional, but you've been so strong and you've also shown something that shows that you're not going away. You know how that works, I, I, and I believe this works in Washington as well. Something gets hot for five minutes, and then they figure they can outlast you, and you're just going to go away. You have shown, Janice Dean, you're not going away. I am not, Harry. And if it takes me, again, the rest of my life to try to get to the bottom of what happened inside nursing homes in the spring of 2020 that took the lives of over 16,000 seniors, including my husband's parents, I'm going to just keep going. And then there's so many people that I know just say they we owe Janice so much because you you are the type of person, as you say, you're not political. You you came out because this was so outrageous. And I think it was criminal just because people don't get charged doesn't mean what they did. It's not just that it was wrong. They they knew and they should have known if they didn't know. But they did know they did that they were sending people in that was going to wind up creating death sentences. Yes, I, I 100 percent. And it might take a long time and it might bring down big, big people, um, but it needs to be done. Uh, it needs to be exposed. And it isn't about politics. It's about what's right and what's wrong. And they took my in-laws rights to life away. I know we have to run. I, I can't overstate how much I think you have meant to the cause that you have fought so incredibly for, and all of my respect, Janice. Oh, thanks, Harry. God bless you. Be well. We're going to be right back with Allison, Pete, and Eric. I am Harry. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's The Brian Kilmeade Show. Precise, personal, powerful. Is America's weather team in the palm of your hands? Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison Pete and Eric Harry Hurley filling in for my friend Brian, who will be back on Monday. Let me give you my take on, you know, look, anybody out there that's run a business, that's been a paper boy, that, that had to balance, you know, a budget, you know, we, we know that we can make mistakes. There's rounding errors. You know, you can make a mistake. I, I don't ever crush anybody for a tiny little, you know, uh, error. We all make mistakes. 
But how does the Pentagon make a $3 billion error in terms of counting the aid that we have sent to Ukraine? Let me just briefly say my my position on Ukraine uh, mirrors Brian Kilmeade. I'm, I'm not mirroring Brian Kilmeade uh, just to be his friend, which I am, but I mirror his position because he is right uh, in how he has calculated this. Just a quick comment before the, the, the $3 billion uh, math mistake. Every American that, that is mixed up about what's going on should understand we're in a proxy war right now. It is China and Russia against the United States of America and Ukraine. Make no mistake about that. It's, it's, some things get really complicated, and they don't have to be. So we're in a proxy war. I would much rather be in a proxy war than in World War III. So if we don't support Ukraine, this is why, and I've, I've done battle with certain people over this, uh, and, and I'm sure that Brian has had to. If we don't support Ukraine, Russia wins. Ukraine, they're better fighters. They're giving Russia a, a, a tremendous go of it right now, really doing an extraordinary job. If we didn't have the attitude in the beginning and our president once again miscalculated and he, he gave us uh, Russia, Ukraine, let's make no mistake about that while we're settling scores here because he blew Afghanistan. He greenlighted Putin by saying a, a, a small incursion. You know, that's another story. He, he greenlighted the whole darn thing. Then he wanted Zelensky to take money and a plane and go away and fold in one day. And didn't he study history? Russia's never beaten Ukraine. They have fought many, many times over many decades. U- Ukrainian people are proud. They love their country. They don't want to be Russians. They want to be Ukrainians, even if they speak Russian. And some do. Many do and speak English. They don't want to be Russians. So let's make no mistake about that. And our president miscalculated that thinking somehow it was going to be over in one or two days. Big mistake. Big mistake. All right, so now we get to this math problem. And it's not a rounding error. A billion dollars, and I'm not going to insult one of the most intelligent audiences in in America, the listeners of The Brian Kilmeade Show, one billion is a thousand million. That's three thousand million dollars that they didn't count right. Now, the good news, because I wanted to end this on a positive, is we have more money that we can help. This isn't a $3 billion error uh, the wrong direction. This means we haven't given Ukraine as much as the Pentagon said that we gave them. Uh, so this will become very integral, and I have very dear friends who have spent time right there in the thick of things that have told me that Ukraine is on the move, and they may actually take back Crimea. So Russia could end this losing the war and actually losing land in the deal. We will be back. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West is next because this is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. And this is The Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison Pete and Eric Harry Hurley filling in today for the great Brian Kilmeade, who will be back on Monday. So not, 
not let your heart be troubled for a moment even. And we'll do our best to fill in today. It's a busy news day, and a great American is standing by on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline, and he's a good friend, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, American Constitutional Rights Union Executive Director, the former distinguished gentleman from the 22nd Congressional District in Florida, where he did a great job, uh, multiple terms in the House of Representatives. I like to call it the People's House. Uh, It's still the People's House. It better be. And the author of the books, Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death, and We Can Overcome an American Black Conservative Manifesto. You can follow him on Twitter. His handle is uh, Alan, and that is A-L-L-E-N, Alan West. Simple enough. Colonel, honor to present you, sir. Always good to be with you, Harry. God bless. So much going on. Let's let's go to these um, just, I think it's despicable, the way that the FBI has treated these whistleblowers. You know, when I hear uh, a, a career public servant that, that serves with honor and distinction, you know, almost reduced to tears at different times because they, they tell them, hey, we got a new job for you, you, you know, sell your house, move. Yeah. And on day one, they fire you. They don't let you get in to even get your uh, your kids' toys and clothes. I mean, th- this is this is not, this is North Korea. This is China. This is this is Venezuela. This is not this is not the America, Colonel, that you and I know and love. So when I hear Garrett O'Boyle say that this, he can't even recognize. I know what they're doing. They don't want anybody to be a whistleblower. They're they're breaking the law because they're they're supposed to help whistleblowers they're not supposed to be treated like this so he says hey look this government will crush you this government will crush you and your family please respond well you're only a whistleblower if you are carrying the uh the water of the progressive socialist left their ideological agenda and we know that the fbi has become a very politicized and weaponized organization and that goes back to look at the shenanigans of andrew mccabe uh jim comey uh, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and all of them, and how they manipulate the truth. And now we know that through the Durham report. But I, I love the line when the uh, gentleman yesterday said that I did not take a note to the FBI, I took a note to the Constitution. And that's the thing that we need to get back to because too many of these agencies now in this federal government, they are, have, are not abiding by the oath to the Constitution. They're abiding by an oath to an ideological agenda. And Sad to say, I remember as a kid growing up and watching the FBI on ABC on Sunday night with Ephraim Zimbler yep. Jr. Yep. That's not the FBI that we have anymore. We have an East German Stasi state, a Stasi police, and they, as he articulated, will crush you. I mean, when he said those words, uh, that was very telling about what is happening, you know, how they're sending out SWAT teams against everyday Americans or they are designating parents as domestic terrorists while you have Antifa and James Revenge running around and burning down, uh, you know, buildings and attacking uh, police training facilities and things of this nature. So we have a big concern about what is happening in the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of of Investigation. Colonel, I know in life it's always about, you know, the choice in terms of your priorities. But you listen to these whistleblowers speak, and they're talking about being taken off of serious cases and being Mm -hmm. told to go park out front of uh, the the local school board meeting where parents love their children and care about uh, the educational delivery system. Or I watched, and I can't remember, forgive me, it was this morning, I can't remember if it was – 
Fox and Friends or the um, what I call the pre-show, the Fox and Friends first. Uh, mm-hmm. But on one of them this morning, the ring camera, because they, they, they asked the FBI agents, can we take your picture and your badge? And they said, no, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, and these two FBI agents are at, at the home of a pro-life activist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they video this, so there's no ambiguity here. Uh, what the hell's going on in our country? The well, FBI is coming to a somebody's pro-life. This is this gets you yeah. an FBI file. Well, I mean, we know that the FBI was uh, attempting to infiltrate the Catholic Church, not because yeah. of any wrongdoing, but because the Catholic Church is is pro-life, and that's what their intent was. But yet again, you can have an organization that claims what they're doing, James Revenge, going out and attacking churches and uh, you know firebombing churches and, and pro-life advocacy centers, but they get a free pass. No one can tell us where they are, and no one is infiltrating that group or like I said, Antifa. So right now we have the this powerful investigative law enforcement agency that is being used against everyday honest American citizens. So basically what Joe Biden and the, his administration is saying is we don't give a damn about unity. We care about conformity. And if you don't conform, if you don't uh, subject yourself to our ideological agenda, we will come after you. And this is really the essence of tyranny, when people have to fear uh, the fact that someone can show up on, on their doorstep with the uh, initials FBI on their jacket. And we know they, they, the two agents said, you're not in trouble, but we know law enforcement is allowed to lie. So no one should mm-hmm. ever trust that. And look, I don't make it a point. I think the problem really is rotting at the head. I think there are many, many great field agents and there are wonderful men and women that I'm sure are aghast at how the FBI, which was once considered the greatest paramilitary-type institution of its kind in the world, has now uh, become such a distrusted uh, agency that has never been politicized at the level that we see. Let's take a listen. Uh, Colonel West is on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline. To our mutual friend, Congressman Jim Jordan, who I think is just doing an amazing job bringing out so much truth, and we need it, and we need more of it. Let's take a listen, and then we'll have the colonel comment on the other side. Eric, cut number 10. We now know that government agencies have been turned on the American people because of folks like Mr. O'Boyle, Mr. Friend, and others just like them. We know that parents attending school board meetings have been targeted. We know that pro-lifers praying at clinics have been targeted. We know that Catholics simply going to church, going to mass have been targeted because of brave people like this. I do think more will come forth, and that will help us as we get to the appropriations process, which is where we really have the leverage, where we can say, look, you're going to, you're going to do things like this. You're going to attack good men who've served our country like these guys then we have to look at the appropriations process and say certain money can't be spent certain ways. A, a point of emphasis to everything, Colonel, that you've been talking about in this segment thus far. No, he's absolutely right, and that's the great thing about having people with some constitutional sense in charge in the House of Representatives because they do have the power of the purse. But I will tell you, it's not just the Department of Justice who, as we know, just came out and said that uh, they wanted the IRS to pull back their investigation of uh, Hunter Biden and his financial uh, misdeeds. It is the IRS. It is the Department of Justice. It's the FBI. It's the ATF. It's even the Department of Defense. We just signed on 
respond to a letter uh, with the Flag Officers for America, all of these DEI programs that are proliferated throughout the Department of Defense, they need to be defunded because that has nothing to do with the military mission. So, again, all of these agencies, all of these agencies now to include the CDC, are really using American taxpayer dollars to further an ideological agenda that goes against our individual rights, freedoms, and liberties. And we have got to get the American people to wake up to that, and we have got to have a strong constitutional Republican Party there in charge of the House that uses the power of the person, leverage of, of the appropriations process to get this back on track. We have to, I, I think, concur. We'll see if we, we have agreement on this. We don't have to, but I think we're going to, that the Biden administration has weaponized every institution that we have uh, to, for maximum personal political gain for them and to inflict maximum damage to any perceived opponents to then chill anyone else that would think about coming, hey, look, this guy, he doesn't have a home. This guy can't get his kids toys. I mean, you, you want to live like that? You want to lose your paycheck? You want to lose your top security clearance? What kind of work can you do when this has been your life work and they take your security clearance away? Has there always been a tinge of this? And now it is just at a level that it cannot be denied that Biden has weaponized this to a level never before seen? Well, I would say that there was a tinge of it going back to J. Edgar Hoover. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you can look at, you know, how he leveraged his power against Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It's true. Fair comment. Fair comment. This, yeah, I think that this hit a, a you know, maximum uh, mile per hour speed in the Obama administration. And we saw how Lois Learned IRS was used against constitutional conservative grassroots organizations. What we now have, and I fully agree with you, but what we now have is the leftist mantra of using fear, intimidation, coercion, and ultimately violence to drive its opposition into, you know, subjugation. Uh, and so, yes, this thing is now going full bore, and the evidence shows us that. And to me, this is an incredible, a huge issue going into the 2024 election. We can't survive another four years of this type of weaponization of our federal government against us. And as Thomas Jefferson said, when the government fears the people, you have liberty. But when the people fear the government, you have tyranny. And that's yeah. exactly where we are. So on point. Colonel West on the Brian Kilmeade show. Let's take a trip to the border because I know mm. you, you have got a lot of uh, knowledge about what's been happening there. It's just unbelievable. Pre-Title 42, mm. post-Title 42, just unbelievable happenings uh, we are experiencing today. I've, I've actually been text messaged during the Brian Kilmeade show about three buses uh, in our area right now in New Jersey. It's happening everywhere. Every I think we have to understand every state is now a border state. This is no longer mm-hmm. just Texas. This is no longer just Arizona or California. This is every state in the union is a border state. We'll use this as a setup, a jump off point to come back with Colonel West comment. Eric Cut 18. And so in order to address an onslaught, you have to have places you can put people. New York City is the hotel capital. We're the hotel capital. Tourism, visitors, sporting events, graduations, and it's a major economic engine for us. Almost 50% of those hotel rooms have been taken up by migrant asylum seekers. So we know that's Mayor Adams, Colonel, Mm -hmm. and he's talking about, and and we know that they 
took veterans and displaced them. United States veterans yeah. displaced wedding parties. They had the beds. I don't think they can, if they want to lie now, they can lie. I saw it for myself. They had the beds, the cots in the gymnasiums of public schools. I mean, this this is this cannot be allowed to stand. Comment, please. <laughs> No, it cannot be allowed to stand. Number one, it's unconstitutional in every way, shape, form, fashion. And I think it's ludicrous that you have these people that declared themselves sanctuary cities. Now they're complaining. But at some point in time, someone has to stand up for the rule of law. And it's funny when I hear the left talk about the rule of law when they're the big, uh, biggest violators thereof. But they've got to say no. I mean, America is a constitutional republic. We have a sovereign border, and we have to say to people, you don't get to come into our country illegally. And let's stop talking about their migrants and asylum seekers. This is illegal immigration. And what should be highly disturbing to every single person, I don't care what uh, point in the political spectrum you are, but the level of single military-age males that we are allowing into the United States of America, the fact that we're starting to see an influx of Chinese single military age males. Let me tell you something. You know, now's not the time to talk to me about gun control because something's going to go bang and uh, we need to be prepared to be able to defend ourselves because we have a government that's more so interested in attacking us is law-abiding legal citizens than protecting uh, our streets and protecting our sovereignty. So I'm looking for someone to stand up and be a leader in this country. And I have to be honest, that includes our own governor that we have here, Greg Abbott. Instead of putting him on buses and sending him to New York, put him on a bus and send him across the Rio Grande River. Uh, that's a very short trip, and it's not very expensive either. Yeah, so the other way keeps them here. This just puts them somewhere else in America. Problem not solved. Problem does. just spread out. Yes, you, you're aiding and abetting human trafficking. You're aiding and abetting sex trafficking, child sex exploitation. I mean, again, you think about the whistleblower from HHS that says that the Biden administration has lost 85,000 children. And, you know, who knows what what has happened to these children? But you don't want to hear the left talk about that. Those lives don't matter. We are seeing an undermining of the sovereignty of this constitutional republic. And I, I have to admit, hats off to Marjorie Taylor Greene for saying that she's going to bring articles of impeachment against Joe Biden yeah. because he is violating the Constitution. This is, these are high crimes and misdemeanors. Same with Mallorca, same with uh, Kamala Harris, uh, any of it, Christopher Ray, all of these people that are violating their oath to the Constitution. Colonel, always a pleasure to present you on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Great to be with you. Thank you, Harry. God bless. Same to you, sir. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. Busy Newsday continues. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison Pete and Eric Harry Hurley filling in for my friend Brian Kilmeade, who will be back on Monday. Let's give Congressman Chip Roy the opportunity to set the plate uh, for a very important topic. This debt ceiling, you almost cannot overstate how important this is, and I'll comment on the other side of this. Eric, cut 17. I can't say this enough. The House has spoken, right? And so the ball is firmly in the court of the President of the United States and Senate Democrats to respond to what we've already done. We've done our job. I said it yesterday. It's now time for the President to do his. The President thinks that there's just going to be some acclamation like, oh, great. Yeah, we'll do whatever just to get a deal. 
That's insane, right? Uh, we need something that's going to work. We passed purposeful legislation, and so we'll see. But can you, can you all- there you go. That's Congressman Chip Roy of the great state of Texas. So here is where we're at with this. Just a quick little rollback of the Wayback Machine. President Biden miscalculated, and he's very good at that. He's been wrong on every major thing for 50 years. So this should not be any exception. You think about it, everything, uh, including Afghanistan, uh, everything. I mean, there's just no area where he was wrong. He didn't want to get Osama bin Laden. He was advising Obama not to get him. I mean, he's wrong about everything. And, And actually, it's spectacular. It is hard it's as hard to be that wrong as it is to be that right. It's it's really it's kind of a backwards accomplishment, you know, or a compliment, but it's crazy. So Biden didn't think with the small majority that Republicans have that they could possibly. How would they possibly be able? Because he said, "Get me your plan." Well, guess what? Kevin McCarthy. You got to give him a lot of credit. He has been an incredibly effective Speaker of the House. Uh, beyond, I think, what a lot of people expected. And this has been really fantastic because they have very few margin of error here, uh, scant. So they get it done, and they have some cuts in there, but they're not really cuts like we have in life. It's just it'll only grow by 1% a year for 10 years. That's a cut. You know, you, you would love to have a life like that, right, if you got told by your boss you have to make cuts, but it's really just cutting the rate of growth. It's not really a cut. So then Biden and the Democrats could go bananas because nothing can be cut ever. Uh, so they get Biden the plan and the president says he won't meet. Well, that's crazy. You said, get me the plan. Now you won't meet. All right. Well, I'll meet, but we won't negotiate anything. Well, that's mindless. And now we see it. Uh, Biden folding and now they are negotiating. And the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, is rather confident that they can get a deal, and we must get a debt ceiling deal. We'll be back in just a little bit. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison, Pete, and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in today for Brian, who will be back on Monday. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show, which has earned its place on the Mount Rushmore of talk radio programs in America today. That's not just a friend of Brian Kilmeade saying that. That's Talkers Magazine, which places Brian on its Mount Rushmore of radio talk show hosts in America. You can follow Brian at briankilmeade.com. And the BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Brian is also, as you know, a New York Times bestselling author. Brian's latest bestseller, The President and the Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. It's in my library. It should be in yours. And they make wonderful gifts. You go to BrianKilmeade.com and he'll personalize it so the person that you want to spoil and give them something really collectible from Brian uh, will be autographed and it will be personalized. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show, and of course, I left out Fox and Friends and and uh, the great work that Brian does Saturday night on his program as well, One Nation. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to talk about the border. We're going to talk about the Durham uh, report. Griff Jenkins will be joining us in just a moment. Let's set the stage uh, on the border discussion. Eric, cut 19. 
we got to do more in order to secure this border, and it can't be everything's okay. It's not as bad as we thought it was. It can't be the president laughing at laughing it off as if it's it's a joke. It's a serious threat, and it's not only a serious threat along the border. These folks are going everywhere. I sat down with one individual. I asked him, one, how long have you been there? He said he'd been in there 18 days. I asked, where were you headed to? He goes, I was heading to New York. Everyone seems to be going to New York or Miami or Chicago, so it's a dangerous for, for everyone in the country. And I can tell you, not only that's Congressman Tony Gonzalez of Texas, but when he said they're going everywhere, uh, during the Brian Kilmeade show today, I have been text messaged by an impeccable source, three busloads of migrants arriving in Atlantic City during the Brian Kilmeade show. Every state is now a border state. We have to understand this. Now, this is also another important thing, uh, and I, I don't have a lot of um, compassion for people that bragged about, hey, we're, a, you know, you had the, the soon-to-be, thank God, outgoing Mayor Kenny in, Cal- in uh, Philadelphia dancing up and down that we're a sanctuary state singing a song and dancing like a fool, that we're a sanctuary city, we're a sanctuary city, chanting it in, in prose in a song, uh, and now they're all complaining that they can't keep up with what's happening. Hey, how would you like to be Texas? How would you like to be Arizona? You have Kirsten Cinema. you have others, you have even the new governor who couldn't be more of a Biden bot if she wanted to be, saying that they're not getting back to her. Uh, this is this is this is a crisis at this point. And when you hear New York City Mayor Eric Adams talk about and I'm a, I'm a former hotel executive long time ago for President Trump, actually, uh, and that was 31 years ago that I left that. And I can tell you that if half of your inventory is taken up. And it's not it's not it's not a good thing for business, and it's not like you can rent the other half of the hotel to paying clients. Uh, Cut 18, Eric. And so in order to address an onslaught, you have to have places you can put people. New York City is the hotel capital. We're the hotel capital. Tourism, visitors, sporting events, graduations, and it's a major economic engine for us. Almost 50% of those hotel rooms are being taken up by migrant asylum seekers. Well, Mayor, congratulations. In the business that's called, you have a 50% occupancy rate, and you would be bankrupted out of business because you can't stay in business with at half or less than half of your rooms occupied, and you can't rent the other ones because it's completely unworkable. Joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline is my longtime friend and really a great American journalist, Griff Jenkins. Griff, welcome to Brian's program. Hey, Harry, great to be with you. Happy Friday. And listen, I was just listening to your start there. I mean, who who's worried about the hotels when the New York City mayor's got uh, high school gymnasiums to turn into migrant shelters? That, that'll work just as well. Don't worry about it. Nothing to see there, Harry. And, and think about I, I give the parents, and I know you do too, Griff, a lot of credit. Parents and students were picketing. A lot of pressure was brought to bear. And that was a plan. Uh, you saw them and I saw them. Those uh, makeshift beds, those cots, they were in the gym. Imagine the public school educational delivery system with migrants living in the school in the gymnasium. I mean, uh, (laughs) so the kids lose their gym. They basically lose their school because they're not just going to stay locked up in there. They're going to be all over the place, bathrooms and everything. 
Griff, you've lived this. You you have done incredible work all throughout this this crisis. Give us your take now that non formerly non. I've been saying I don't know. I know you were just doing the um, Fox News channel, so you might have missed my opening comment when I said we're all border states now, Griff. It's not just Texas. It's not just Arizona or California. We're all border states. We, as I mentioned just a moment ago, we had three busloads of migrants arrive in Atlantic City that I know you're very well aware of where we are. So we're yeah. a border state. We're all border states. What are the biggest changes now without Title 42? Well, and listen, you know, I think really we have to take stock of the fact that what Governor Abbott and then DeSantis when he was doing it uh, up in Martha's Vineyard, but what Governor Abbott has been doing has been more uh, impactful than maybe any other thing to include people like myself or Bill Malusian spending endless amounts of time down there with a drone showing what's happening. Governor Abbott really brought it home once you have people like Mayor Adams uh, uh, freaking out. And here in Washington, where I am, Mayor Bowser, and by the way, you may have seen, and I tweeted it literally yesterday, Governor Abbott sent his first bus to Denver. So the Mile High City is uh, going to get a taste of it, too. Welcome, welcome. But but one thing is for sure, you know, even before the buses were going there, when Bill Malusia and I are down on the border a year or more ago, we were talking to people in those in those border communities, the ranchers, the sheriffs, right, the Texas DPS officers that worked that beat in the border towns like Del Rio and McAllen, and they all were saying, hey, our message for America is these people and these drugs and this contraband and these criminals don't stop and stay in these border towns. They're headed your way. They're headed north, yep. and that's obviously what we've seen. Oh, yeah. And you know what were your 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 larger question about you know so what's the difference what are we seeing look we're seeing we just got the official numbers for April over two hundred eleven thousand huge number we knew it was going to be a huge number because of the of the reporting that Bill Malusia and I've been doing and the numbers we saw but you know it did considerably drop and the reason why it's dropped right now right after Title Forty Two went away is a three pronged thing number one. Mexico is currently helping. They don't ever help. Mm. That's just a flat-out dirty truth that they allowed their country to be a transit country to move migrants quickly through Mexico to their final destination, which we all know is the U.S., and they make money off of it. The cartels obviously enrich themselves profusely, as we have talked about. But the other thing is that they have started doing deportation flights and putting images of migrants getting flown back to places like Honduras and elsewhere that does discourage them to a certain degree. And then they're doing the sort of legal parole thing, which is that CBP-1 app where migrants in Mexico, before they were going to illegally cross, can go on this app and you know say, I want to get asylum, and they get paroled for a couple of years legally at a port of entry. So in some cases, they've sort of legalized the, the, the path. In other cases, we're getting the help from Mexico. Will all of that continue to keep the numbers down? Boy, I sure hope so, but only time will tell. But the big takeaway, and I'll leave it with this because I'm, I'm talking too much. I apologize. No, you're not. But the takeaway is 
The border was secure before Biden came in and unleashed the uh, 2.2 million illegal entries last year, the 2 million before that. So to say that we're at this great place now really completely uh, forgets that we got into this crisis that opened up uh, the border to degrees it's never been opened. And so really, I, I think, listen, cautious optimism. The numbers are falling down. Maybe after two years, the administration just decided, hey, we got to fix it. We'll see if it happens. But uh, the the jury is still very much out on that. And many border officials tell me they're concerned, particularly with Mexico, perhaps stops cooperating. They were going to get right back to, to, the, to the high numbers. And by the way, the gotaways, which are the criminal element that we see so much of, and we just had last month, 16 hit the terror watch list. Those haven't slowed down at all. If anything, they've only increased. And that's a troubling trend that is still not in any form or fashion under control. Serious times. Griff Jenkins on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline. Follow up on all of this. How comforted should we be? I would say not. But how comforted should we be that these migrants come into our country and have court dates that may be three, four, five or more years from now? That just doesn't it sounds so unserious that I can't even verbalize it. Your thoughts about that? Well, I think you're exactly right. I think you should take no comfort that that's going to pan out. Look, if you came illegally into the country and they gave you a notice to go to a court that is involving your immigration status, which could include being deported, because as the administration routinely puts out, it's a known fact that the majority of people seeking asylum will not be granted asylum based on sheer economic uh, or, or threat assessments, they're not going to show up. Why would you? I wouldn't. And so, you know, is anyone going to be remembering two years down the road in, you know, 2025 that uh, these migrants that we're seeing today were given these notices to appear two years later? No, they're not going to remember it. And so they disappear into this massively growing uh, uh, shadow uh, diaspora, if you will, of, of migrants that have come and simply crossed, and because of the overwhelming numbers, were released into the U.S. Griff Jenkins on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Two-minute drill. Let's go to the Durham report that I know you're extremely well-versed on. Uh, for those who don't think that Durham laid a smackdown on the, the institutions, uh, and, and in particular the FBI, uh, when he says words like the, the you know the, the the fidelity of their institutions and these different things, that that is haymakers. Just because he's elegant, he laid a smackdown on the FBI, and they have been exposed as really fumbling on purpose. Uh, Hillary Clinton investigations. Give us your best minute and a half on what you glean from what Durham has concluded. Yeah, here, here for our great listeners, here's the 411, because the week began with the stunning drop of the Durham report. Everybody's going through it, and we learned it took four years and 300-some pages. But now here we are on Friday at the end of the week, and we have more questions than answers surrounding what we learned about the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation. In a nutshell, there are four instances, all four shut down by top FBI brass. The first one, the FBI was investigating claims in 20. 
2014 from a confidential source that not one but two foreign governments were seeking to buy influence with Hillary during her campaign through illegal donations. In three other cases, in 2016, they were focused uh, with field offices in Arkansas, New York, and D.C. on possible criminal activity of the Clinton Foundation. And Durham notes in his report how differently the FBI handled the Crossfire Hurricane Trump probe versus all of the Clinton investigations. And Griff, there wasn't even a predicate. Griff, there wasn't even a predicate to even do Trump-Russia collusion, and they went full-blown and did it. And they still did it. So here's what you're watching for next week, Harry, and that is, can anything be reopened with regards to the Clintons? Because remember, many, if not I think most of the statutes of limitations have run the clock out. Yeah. Uh, so it would essentially have to be some sort of oversight new probe, possibly, if one were to come. I don't have any, any knowledge about one coming. And then the other, the other one is, will John Durham appear next Thursday before Jordan's committee? Jordan has asked him to come, and Durham has and said one way or the other, our Fox sources say no decision has been made yet. They're they're in discussion, so we'll see what we get next week. Outstanding. Griff, great report, uh, great work as always, and uh, always a pleasure to visit with you. Thanks, Harry. Great to be with you. Have a great weekend. You do the same. That's Griff Jenkins. We'll be back in just a little bit. Don't go away. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you so very much for tuning in to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Harry Hurley filling in just for today. Brian will be back on Monday. All right, this is, this is going to be fun. In this segment, we are going to talk about artificial intelligence, which is both exciting and it is terrifying all at the same time. When you think about how they can take your spoken word and we've already had it. Mothers have heard their daughters on the other side of the phone line saying that they've been kidnapped and they need money to, you know, to, to the ransom, uh, you know, uh, collectors. I mean, unbelievable stuff. And it's only going to get more and more and more prevalent, this whole artificial intelligence uh, in so many ways. Jobs that will be eliminated forever, uh, papers for colleges and music industry. Everything in many respects is going to change. Pete and then Eric, I want to get a comment from you. What are your thoughts? It's got to be at least two-edged sword, uh, isn't it, Pete? Yeah, because you – you hear people like uh, on Fox, Dr. Siegel, have said it could do wonders for the medical industry. It could save lives. So there's that part yeah. of it. But then you hear stories of that mother whose daughter was fake kidnapped, and yeah. they duplicated the voice perfectly yeah. that she legitimately thought her daughter was being held for ransom. Exactly. And, Eric, you know, I know that you are, are certainly somebody that follows the, this this emerging topic. Artificial intelligence is not new. Toll takers, that job's almost gone. Many jobs, coin, you know, cage, coin type cashiers, all automated. Artificial intelligence has been around, but it seems to be at more of a a warp speed at the moment where we're seeing things that probably exist in movies, certainly. And I watched a movie with artificial intelligence. It's pretty, pretty real. From about five years ago, it's pretty real with what's going on right now. 
Eric, what are your thoughts? Yeah, these are um, machine language learning models, which means that they can teach themselves, which is really where I think some of the danger comes from. And I, I think the next election is going to be interesting heading into um, 2024 because now we're going to really start seeing deep fakes, you know, deep fake videos um, that will be indistinguishable from reality. And I, I think it has the potential to sow a lot of chaos and disinformation. Lightning round in the last 30 seconds of this segment. Pete, are the benefits less than the peril or more than the potential peril? It all depends on what we see from Congress and how the uh, industries use or abuse this. I think. Good answer. Good answer. Eric? I think ultimately the benefits will outweigh the peril, but Pete's right. Only if it's regulated correctly and we do it in a um, responsible way. Love working with Pete and Eric on the air. Loved it. When we come back, United States Congressman Mike Johnson from Louisiana's 4th Congressional District. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Busy Newsday on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back to The Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison, Pete, and Eric. Harry Hurley filling in today. For the great Brian Kilmeade, who will be back on Monday. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show, a great friend of the Brian Kilmeade Show, a great American, and a very important member of the People's House, United States Congressman Mike Johnson on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline is here. The distinguished gentleman from Louisiana's 4th Congressional District, the Vice Chairman, House Republican Conference, and member of the Judiciary Committee, so important, Armed Services Committee, ditto. And you can follow him on Twitter at Rep. Mike Johnson. We're going to talk. It's going to be wide ranging. We're going to talk the FBI weaponization hearing. We're going to talk debt ceiling. We're going to talk Durham report that sort of melds in with the um, the weaponization because so many bad things have come up. And also, uh, if Democrats and Republicans are agreeing on anything, we got to be right. And that's this whole AM radio thing, which is just insanity to consider dropping that uh, from the automobiles. There's got to be something behind that. Congressman Johnson, welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you, Harry. It's great to be with you. You're doing a great job. Thank you, sir. Great to be with you again. I had a really nice time with you the last time that we visited And I want to start with the debt ceiling because President Biden, I really believe, of course, he's wrong about everything for 50 years. But I really believe that he believed that the Republican margins were so tight that you couldn't possibly agree on a debt ceiling measure. And and the president said, so, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, speaker, get back to me with your plan. Well, the speaker got back to the president with his plan and the president didn't want to meet. So what's that all about? And then. Then he would meet, but he wouldn't negotiate. So ditto. What's that all about? And then he did get to the point where there are negotiations happening. So I will say you are winning uh, because you actually have a plan. They have no plan. And they they thought they could get away with revisiting the, the, the past when Republicans get blamed anytime the government is shut down and things like that. So this really I, I have to give credit to you, all your fellow members and and Speaker McCarthy and the whip everybody, because I'm sure that was not easy to get the majority that you needed to agree on on anything, let alone something like this, where there are different opinions on cuts that should be made and 
so on and so forth. So I think right now, uh, absent some kind of you know disaster and and that we default with something we just I don't think we can allow to happen. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think Republicans are winning this point right now. Yeah, I think we are. You know, we did our job. And you're exactly right. The White House and Democrats underestimated our majority because they know it's small. We've only got a, you know, a razor thin majority. So it takes a lot of effort. You know, I'm in House leadership. We spend a lot of time keeping the team together, keeping the our dysfunctional, sometimes dysfunctional Republican family together. But it's it's good. You know, the scripture says iron sharpens iron. And um, it's good to have these thoughtful sometimes um uh, impassioned conversations behind uh, closed doors because it makes the ultimate product better. You know, I'm one of the fiscal conservatives in the House. There's a bunch of us. It, some of us had, had never voted for debt ceiling increases before this this round. Yes. But the reason we got everybody together, Harry, is because we've done this in a very responsible way. Yeah, we're going to raise the debt ceiling for a short period of time. We're not going to allow the country to default on its debts, of course, because it would be disastrous in the markets. But at the same time, we're pushing through very responsible, critically important and necessary changes to the trajectory of spending going forward. Brother, we're in a $31.7 trillion debt hole right now. I mean, we're in a hole so deep that our grandchildren won't be able to dig out of it. If we don't change this trajectory right now, we're going we're gonna to ultimately end the republic. And that's how serious this is, and that's why we're pushing this through. And we use that as leverage to get those votes. And I think the president's – the ball's in his court now. I, I agree. And obviously the president went away and some people have been critical of that. I'm not so critical of that because you have he has a team now. There are some people that appear to be negotiating in good faith unless they're going to pull a trick at the end and just say no to everything and then blame Republicans. I don't think they'll do that. But you almost can't put anything past them, can you, Congressman? Well, that's right. Uh, but I do think this is the potentially the highest stakes game that will occur in the Biden presidency, and they know that. Yeah. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're sort of cautiously optimistic this morning. I mean, I think Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, is expecting that there may be some sort of uh, at least a, an outline of, of some agreement by the end of this weekend. That's, that's essentially what he's suggested to everybody. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I think, the, the, you know, I, I'm with you. I don't necessarily begrudge the president trying to handle all his responsibilities, but he did put folks in the room who seemed to be operating in good faith. And so, you know, the president's not going to be mired in the details of it anyway, but he'll he'll give his thumbs up at the end, and I think we can get this thing done. Without a doubt. We are visiting on the Brian Kilmeade Show with United States Congressman Mike Johnson. Let's go to the Durham report because I know you, you have a take on this. What is your takeaway from the Durham report? Well, the the takeaway is, is what we've all known intuitively from the very beginning. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that he he did the exhaustive review that he did, but it's confirmed what we knew. You know, the FBI and the DOJ did not possess any evidence of collusion between President Trump and Russia. And and when they started that crossfire hurricane, that whole charade, you know, you had people at the, the highest levels of the government, including then-President Obama and Vice President Joe Biden, they were all in on the witch hunt from the very beginning. So, you know, here's the, the takeaway for everybody. The reason this is so alarming is that if they can do this to a sitting president like Donald Trump, they can do it to every single American. And that's why this matters so much, and that's why we cannot let it go. You, you know, the crazy thing, and I, and, and I, of course, agree with every word you just said, you, you have such a bias, it's, and it's so undeniable at this point that one side gets treated 
very harshly, the other side gets treated with kid gloves. The other side can commit crimes, and, and you get things like no reasonable prosecutor would charge. You can destroy tens of thousands of documents, pickaxes, bleach bit, the whole deal. Nothing happens. Documents that are under congressional subpoena get destroyed. No problem. Working off the government server, faxing documents uh, over you know non-classified lines. I mean, I could go on and on. All that's just fine. The other side, of course, Republicans or anybody remotely considered to be conservative or Republican gets crushed. How about these whistleblowers, Congressman? Let, let's go to them. They, they um, you talk about, I thought whistleblowers, I'm thinking about Colonel Vindman and, and whistleblowers. Is that only if you're a Democrat whistleblower, Garrett O'Boyle? Uh, you you want to cry when you hear his story, what they did to this man and his family. Uh, you've got a friend in Steve Friend, Marcus Allen. I mean, look at this. This is this is an abomination how this has been handled. It absolutely is. And 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 that's why in our the select committee on the weaponization of the federal government, you know, Harry, when when we composed that that select committee at the beginning of this Congress, as soon as the House Republicans took control of the body again. Oh, the Democrats balked. The mainstream media balked. And even the title of the committee, the weaponization, you know, you guys are engaging in hyperbole. Now everybody knows this is absolutely true. There's no other way to describe what has happened here. You have activists in the top levels of the FBI and the Department of Justice, and they have weaponized the full weight of their agencies against the very citizens they're supposed to be serving and protecting. And yeah. the examples that we've highlighted are just shocking. And now these whistleblowers, these patriotic Americans who work inside these agencies, who know that this is wrong, who know that it violates their oaths of, of their service, they stand up to raise their hand and say, wait a minute. And and they turn on them and they yeah. retaliate against them and effectively try to destroy their lives. It, it well, is yeah. unconscionable and scary. You take their top security clearance away. This is what they do. What can they do? You know, the other guy uh, uh, t- tells an, uh, just a horrific story. Uh, Garrett, in terms of moving, supposedly for a new job, day one, they fire him. You know, they knew they were going to do that. They, they, they crush him. He, he said the quote uh, under oath, they will crush you. They will crush you and your family. I'll never forget what Chuck Schumer said a few years ago, Congressman. He said mm-hmm. that that the intelligence community, basically, if you mess with them, they can get you six ways to Sunday. That's an incredible retaliatory comment to make and and it's and, ominous it's yeah. ominous yes yeah. Yeah. One, yeah. One you're the, talking about oh, go ahead go oh ahead. Boyle, right he was a special agent yeah the fbi transferred him and his family across country to this new assignment supposedly on day one of his new posting they suspend him they they it, because of the transfer okay they had his family's clothes and belongings locked in an fbi controlled storage unit they left him to struggle to house and clothe his young children. And here's the thing. When you get your security clearance suspended and you're a special agent in the FBI, he's on unpaid leave. You don't have any ability to actually feed your family because they, they won't allow you to pursue alternative employment during the suspension. So he, he's only been able to make under law $7,500 a year. He, this has gone on for more than 460 days. This guy with a young family, he had a two-week-old <laughs> newborn on the day he showed up at that posting. I mean, it, this is Gestapo uh, tactics, and they're doing it because they want to make examples of the whistleblowers. They don't want others to stand up and That's speak it. the truth, and that, this is scary stuff. That is it, Congressman Johnson. Following up, though, so I, I don't condone any of this. I condemn it in the harshest terms. But this extends to ordinary Americans as well. 
we saw in Virginia, I think Terry McAuffle would have won another term. They, 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 they just said stupid stuff and did dumb stuff like you don't have any right to, to you know, to what your kids are being taught in school. Who, whoever says that to a parent that you have no right to, to your parents love their kids, want to be involved and want to know what's being taught, especially if it's counterculture outrageous and and really it's gotten to the point where it's it's pornography that if you did what they were doing outside you'd be a megan's list offender for the rest of your life i saw a pastor on the fox news channel giving it to a board of education he was reading and they stopped him he goes no no if you can have our children read this you can listen to it they didn't want to listen to it but they allow that to be approved curriculum so you have the Fox and Friends example from this morning, I think it was on Fox and Friends first, where uh, a pro-life activist, her ring camera picked it up because the FBI agents wouldn't let her film them, but the ring camera did, and they come to an American's home who happens to be a pro-life activist. Oh, you're not in any trouble. Who? When do you ever have FBI agents come into your home, and then they're telling you you're not in any trouble? And it's because you're a pro-life activist or you could be a churchgoer or you could be a mom or a dad at a school board meeting. When did this become our country, Congressman? Well, exactly. That's exactly right. And the reason that we're having to drill down on the DOJ and the FBI is because they and the Biden administration as a whole are empowering this. Right. I mean, because you're talking about concerned parents, of course. I mean, parents have a responsibility uh, biblically, right? But I mean, under the Constitution, you have the, the the First Amendment freedom to go to that school board meeting and and express your views to try to affect change that affects your children and your whole community. But when they did that, right, the FBI sought to label them as domestic terrorists. They created yeah. a threat tag and Just labeled them to go after them, and they opened investigative files on some of these parents. Incredible. You know, they, they they sought to recruit spies and informants inside the congregations of traditional Catholic churches because they thought people were too pro-life and thus might be a danger to the republic or something. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's it's frightening. And then the, the FBI colluded with the social media platforms over the last two election cycles and met regularly with them. You know why? Because they wanted to uh, to identify conservatives online and volume filter their posts so no one could hear their viewpoints. This cannot be allowed in America, and we have to stop it. So well said, Congressman Mike Johnson. Two-minute drill, the congressman from Louisiana's 4th Congressional District. Let's talk about this potential ban of the AM radio uh, in in cars. I I think it's not an exaggeration to say they they failed on the fairness doctrine. They'd love to shut talk radio down. They control like 90% of the media. They hate that they can't control Fox News. They hate that they cannot control conservative radio. As you know, they tried to compete. They had to pay and fund uh, that goofy Democrat alternative that failed uh, almost immediately, Air America or whatever it was called. I can't even remember a number of years ago, and they never tried again. Uh, And so it's almost like when they can't get take your guns, they, they take the ammunition if they can. They buy all the ammunition. So drop the AM radio. Now we know that um, the Brian Kilmeade show is on FM. It's on your app. It's on the website. Kilmeade, BrianKilmeade.com, BrianKilmeadeShow.com, FoxNewsRadio.com, all of that. But it's also there are many people that love traditional AM talk radio out of one channel in their car. There's a reason that they're doing this because it's effortless to keep it in. This isn't like an eight-track tape player, you know, or a cassette player, you know, and that type of um, evolution. 
this this appears to have an agenda behind it. Your thoughts? We have about it clearly ha- clearly has an agenda. And you know, we were talking a moment ago about how the that they they tried to censor and silence conservative viewpoints on the social media platforms. They've had the desired effect there. They really have had a big effect. They they might have changed the outcome of elections, and now they want to take them out of our cars. Yeah, Brian is going to be everywhere, but you have a lot of local and regional shows and programs and very important voices, conservative viewpoints, that that are a danger to the radical left. And so you're right. If if, If you can't beat them the American way at the ballot or in the free market, just shut them down. I mean, this is what communist regimes do, yeah. right? It's scary, scary stuff. And, and Congressman, we're, we're, yeah, we're basically out of time, but I do want to squeeze this in. There's also many emergency things that happen on AM radio. Exactly. If you, and if you lose the electricity in your home, uh, you could have a life-saving message coming out over AM radio where we have uh, generators and things like that where we can power up even in a power failure situation. So this would be actually – unhealthy to do this i, I do great I, harm great yeah. harm to communities i live in louisiana man we're in tor- tornado and hurricane alley there you go. we need am radio we rely on it here and it's be dangerous to take it away congressman johnson please keep up your great work america needs you we need you thank you sir thank you my friend you got it we'll be uh in touch and we'll be right back this is the brian kilmeade show Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. You used to go after the worst of the worst, didn't you? Yes, I believe so. You went after people who looked at child porn. Yes. People who were sexually exploiting children. Yes. And then you were in the parking lot of a school board meeting, taking down the information of parents. What happened to the cases that you were working to, to protect our communities from the worst predators that exist? I was told they were not to be resourced. Uh, and then uh, after I was suspended, uh, they were handed off to local law enforcement. Wow. So the FBI just decided it was more important to have you in that parking lot of that school board meeting than getting the worst of the worst away from people that they could harm. That's correct. And that's correct. That is FBI whistleblower Steve Friend. And you can see their radical agenda is this important to them, where their their priorities are completely out of kilter. This is this is indefensible. It's disgusting. And look what's not getting done in favor of their completely counterculture radical agenda. Let's hear a little bit more from a friend, Steve Friend, Eric Cut5. We sort of laid the groundwork for people to feel that they can be protected as whistleblowers. Uh, there was the protection that we didn't receive, but now that uh, the Republicans in the House are on, on alert for that, then they could maybe feel that they, they have those protections and they can bring that information forward to this select committee and uh, we can get to the business of correcting the Bureau. So you can see, I mean, uh, this is why they're trying, as uh, Garrett O'Boyle said, they will crush you. Quote, they will crush you and your family. You can see why they're doing this. They are chilling the atmosphere so that no one will dare come forward, that you will be destroyed and your life will be destroyed. Your family will be destroyed. We'll be right back. Don't go away. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. 
It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian has the day off. I'm partnering with Allison, Pete, and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley. Proud to say friend of Brian Kilmeade. We're going to do a nice little uh, partnership gig at Talkers New York coming up in two weeks. Looking forward to that. And it is my pleasure to welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show, great friend to the Brian Kilmeade Show, of course, I'm Brian, and a Fox News all-star to say the least. Shannon Bream is on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline, the anchor of Fox News Sunday, Fox News chief legal correspondent, and the author of the new book, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, Biblical Lessons on Romance, Friendship, and Faith. It's now available, and you can follow Shannon on Twitter, her handle, Shannon Bream. Simple enough. Shannon, welcome to Brian's program. Harry, how the heck are you? I am so well, and it's an honor to present you on Brian's program. And I'm going to get into some of these Supreme Court decisions that you are the best in the country at breaking down in all the news of the day. But I want to begin on something that I think really just dovetails off of your great book, and that is that we are such a divided America Mm -hmm. right now, probably more so than any time since the Civil War. So, Shannon, does that mean that faith is so very important during times like this? Yeah, I mean, it does to me. And you think about, as I write it about in the book, I mean, one of the loves we're called to is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I looked, I couldn't find any exemptions in there. Um, not the person who cuts you off in traffic or your irritating family member or coworker. I mean, you know, if we start from the place that we see people as created in God's image, like there's an instant amount of respect we need to have for other people and for life. And you can vehemently disagree about things without getting into personal attacks. You can hold your core values, but also, you know, one of the things... I always appreciate Professor Robbie George up at Princeton says, like, approach every conversation as if there's the possibility that you're wrong. Like, have an open mind. So, you know, I think if we can at least sit down and be willing to listen to each other and have a conversation with a minimum amount of respect, it would go a long way. How would you describe the feedback that you generally receive about the book? Because I think it's it's so important and it, and it does. It's it's it, it gives lessons. It, it, it's really important content that you have reduced to this to this great book. What's the feedback that you've gotten? You know what? It's been surprising to me. Um, I, with the first book in the series, Mothers and Daughters of the Bible, or excuse me, Women of the Bible Speak, the second one was Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak. I, it's always amazing to me that people say, oh, I do it as a you know book club in my neighborhood or at church or whatever. I had a guy stop me at church a few weeks ago to say, um, my men's group is doing Women of the Bible Speak. We just saw it as kind of a tribute to our daughters and wives and sisters we'd want to learn more about these stories. And now with Love Stories of the Bible Speak, I've had multiple people tell me they're going through it as a couple, reading it together as, you know, dating or husband and wife or whatever. And so I just love that, that that it, you know, hopefully it has a good impact on people's everyday lives. See, Shannon, I'm not surprised. Maybe there would be a point in our history where we would say, wow, this is really surprising that that would be the, um, you know, the similar or the strong reaction to this and that it would cross the genders. But we're living in such strange times. I mean, there, it's a confusing time. I, I hope this all shakes out, you know, all the different things that are happening where you, everything from males wearing female bathing suits, and that's considered marketing now and advertising and all this stuff that has people confused and, and, and concerned, Riley Gaines, and, you know, we could keep going on and on. So I think people do want to look at something like this that's just true to their heart, you know, and, 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 and really connect on what's important because these are challenging times. 
They are. And they spark a really tough conversations. And I think that COVID did that for a lot of us with families, with friends, with coworkers. Um, People became very divided. It became very politicized. So I think people have some wounds there. And, um, you know, I talk in the new book, too, about friendship and about community and how we're all designed for that and we need that. And I think the time of isolation that a lot of us had was not good for us. And so hopefully people will be willing to kind of rebuild some of those bonds um, and, and reach across where there have been some really nasty divides and just say, hey, I love you. You're my friend or you're my sister or whatever it is. Um, we've got more in common than we don't. Yeah, I really like that. That's, that's, that is terrific. It is Shannon Bream. She's terrific on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Before we get into some of these Supreme Court decisions, as the anchor of Fox News Sunday, you host one of the most important programs in America. People tune to it. They want to know what's happening in general. They want to know what's happening this week. What's the most important thing that's happening this week or several of the most important things? Give people an idea of your process, because obviously you could be gathering what you think is Fox News Sunday and something absolutely dramatic, you know, Mm -hmm. impossible to, to deny could just change everything you thought you were going to do. Does that I'm sure that Mm -hmm. happens. It does. I mean, some weeks feel very clear to us. Um, you know, we knew the border, the weeks leading up to that with Title 42 lifting. That still continues to be a big story. The debt ceiling obviously makes sense. It's a big story. But we've had shows planned, and then you have a Friday or Saturday night thing happen, like the indictment of a former president. That will mix up your guest lineup and what you had planned for the show. So we, we look at themes and big ideas that we think are going to be up for discussion. Um, but as we get closer to Sunday, we fine-tune those. And sometimes there are those last-minute upheavals. Um, I've got a great team, and we're used to pivoting. And um, I, most of the time, our guests that we have are great on multiple topics. And if not, then we, you know, rebook at the last minute, and people always understand. So it is always a very flexible puzzle as it comes together towards Sunday. It's Shannon Bream on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Let's we're going to go over at least two Supreme Court rulings. Uh, one of them, I guess, was not uh, very much in doubt because it was a nine. Uh, zero ruling authored by Justice Thomas, and that is the Supreme Court ruling for Twitter over third-party content liability. Explain, Shannon, so people don't think we're going into the weeds or anything, Mm -hmm. uh, why that's important and what this decision means. Yeah, so this this actually came from a family who lost a family member in a terrorist attack, and they said these social media platforms are hosting space for these groups like ISIS that took their loved ones. So they sued under the Anti-Terrorism Act. Um, Thomas and his fellow justices, as you said, it was 9-0, basically found you haven't shown enough of a nexus that Twitter intentionally helped ISIS or, you know, in some way furthered these attacks. Um, they've got millions of users and posts on their platforms, hundreds of millions. And um, you haven't shown that they've been directly involved in these things. And so it was a win for Twitter um, in that respect. But what they didn't do was get to Section 230, which I'm sure that your listeners know all about, which is this, you know, it it was put together in 1996 before most of these social media things even existed. But it's been a liability shield that they aren't responsible for what's posted on their sites. Um, You know, there were there was some reaction from Congress yesterday. Dick Durbin, one of the top Senate Democrats, said the court missed its opportunity. We really wanted them to express that Section 230 is not a get out of jail free card if you host, you know, content that leads to death and destruction. The ACLU on the other side is saying, no, we got to have free speech protections, and you can't hold these platforms responsible for the multi hundreds of millions of things that get posted. So, whether Congress gets together on something or not, it kind of heads there because the Supreme Court didn't touch it. 
Now, in your opinion, Shannon, because we don't know, they, they, they could have and they didn't. Does that mean they never will? Is this a day of reckoning that is inevitable and that the Supreme Court will ultimately take this on? Or did they just tell us, good luck, you know, this is something the legislature and the executive branch is going to have to take care of because we're not going there. Do we, do we know the answer to that? Yeah, I mean, sometimes they are very plain spoken in their opinions to say, this is for the legislative body, this is not for us. But because they didn't get into a full-scale treatment of 230, they really didn't give any guidance. I would suspect a case is going to get get to them on that specific grounds. It's got to happen. Now, whether Congress modifies it before a case gets there will be interesting to see because, you know, there's not a lot of bipartisan agreement. I don't know if you've noticed that in Washington. (laughs) But there has been a lot of bipartisan talk about doing something on 230. So there may be enough of a coalition there on both sides of the aisle to do something. I think a lot of people thought this last one was already done. And, you know, what, 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 what's going on here with this latest visit of this, the Supreme Court dismissing the pending appeal over expiration of Title 42, the migrant asylum policy. What, what does this mean? Yeah, it was kind of, you know, they canceled arguments that were going to be held this spring. So it was kind of, you know, looking at it as being a moot issue because Title 42 is lifted now. So um, it was a bit of a formality that we expected yesterday when the court said, hey, Title 42 case is done. We're not going there. We're not going to weigh in on that. But, you know, there are those who are saying we'll bring Title 42 back maybe for the fentanyl crisis because Title 42 is aimed at health emergencies. And um, there's actually a move on the Hill. I think Bill Haggerty out of Texas, excuse me, Tennessee, the Republican out of Tennessee senator, is trying to move a measure that would say let's activate Title 42 again because of fentanyl. It is certainly a public health crisis. Um, And I think there are some Democrats who might actually be open to that conversation. Very interesting. Shannon, in terms of the um, the leak of the Dobbs decision, it seems like old news, but it's unfinished business because for some reason, I mean, you know, we can indict a freshman congressman in, in, in five months uh, and with 14 felonies, but they can't figure out. I don't know what the universe is, 20 people. I don't know. You would know mm-hmm. better than I, but nine justices, the law clerks, any other any other person that would have access to this decision. And I think the case can be made that that had a very major impact uh, of the of the election because it, it, it I think it changed hearts and minds uh, all over the all over the country. And the 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 damage that that can cause this great institution, the personal uh, damage that it could have caused justices whose lives, I believe, can be put mm-hmm. in danger with this kind of thing when passions are at the level that they are. And we know some of the things that, that, that went on that, you know, bring us to that, that. That's not too much of a stretch to say something like that. Uh, they just don't seem to be whoever they are. I'm saying they they don't seem to be intellectually curious enough for my liking to identify the person who did this so that something like this doesn't happen again. Yeah, it's been super frustrating, and you've heard some of the justices go public with their frustrations. Not long ago, Justice Alito spoke to the Wall Street Journal about that he pretty much thinks he knows who it was. Um, This was handled internally. I mean, the chief justice made that decision. Um, He has praised the marshal there at the Supreme Court for the investigation that she conducted. They narrowed it down. Um, Bill Mears, our excellent Supreme Court producer, and I were able to confirm that they had definitely narrowed it down to a smaller group. Um, But, you know, 
the fact that they never pointed to anyone, they said they couldn't, by the preponderance of evidence, point to somebody. That's a pretty low standard legally. Uh, it's kind of, you know, more likely than not, that idea. So it's been very frustrating to court watchers and people from the outside who say, why didn't you bring in the DOJ or the FBI? Why didn't you right. allow another law enforcement agency to help you? Whereas, you know, the Chief Justice is very protective and has been very laudatory of what was done internally, but it leaves people with a lot of frustrations. And I think that includes justices. This is going to be a very interesting test because you know what they say, that a secret, if more than one person knows, yep. a secret never, ever, is, there's no permanency to it. If we go to another generation, we ultimately did find out the identity of Deep Throat. Now, it was right. decades later. But mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to just predict to the great Shannon Bream, <laughs> one day we will find out who leaked this. Some, I guess a cooling off period. I think you're right. So you, you do, you agree that's going to happen. Yeah. And I think it might be the person themselves. I think at some point they may not be able to resist kind of their moment in history. And I think it'll answer a lot of questions about what the motivation was when we know who it is. But I am hopeful in my lifetime uh, that I will be among those. We'll all find out who it was. And I do think we will find out. Shannon, final minute. Is that a crime, what someone committed there, or just a terrible wrongdoing? Well, that's been an argument about what statute would have been violated. It certainly is an ethical violation of, of what happened at, at the court where you um, you know, are expected as an employee of the court to adhere to certain um, very high ethical standards. And, and in the investigation that was released, we found out that a number of people admitted to the investigators that they did share information about what happens at the court, about the vote breakdown on that decision. Other details that they admitted, I know I'm not supposed to, but I've had conversations with people, whether it's a spouse or family member or friend, many of them admitted to doing that. So we know it happens. Maybe it should be more surprising to us that there haven't been other big leaks. There have been one or two other big ones in the Supreme Court um, you know, history, but not in recent history. You know, that is a, we're, we're out of time. That is a really good point, though. It could be a relative of someone yeah, that that be. just idea, ideologically wanted to do something to drop that in like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be as insidious as most people probably think it is. Yeah, I mean, somebody got the copy of that decision to the reporters at Politico, so there's definitely somebody inside the court. They said there was no evidence of an external hack of any kind. So definitely somebody on the inside had something to do with it. Shannon, great to visit with you. Have a great weekend, Harry. You too. Be well. We will be right back. She is Shannon Bream. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Just the other day, I was testifying in the appropriations subcommittee explaining how our budget was going to help with things like railroad safety, air traffic control, and other transportation needs. And we had to take a break so that they could all go and vote on a bill to kick uh, transgender teenagers off of sports teams. That was the priority uh, for the House GOP that day. So these things really are getting in the way of our ability to get work done. We're literally building bridges, and they're literally banning books. You believe this guy? I mean, I got to tell you, he was a terrible mayor of South Bend, Indiana, nicknamed Pothole Pete because he couldn't fill the potholes, no experience in transportation. They're writing glowing articles. It's almost like uh, Obama 2.0. They, they, they feel that they've got a real bad 
uh, candidate and the sitting president, and this is th- this is their night. They're they're trying to position this guy, Pete Buttigieg, like he is presidential timber. Go ask the people in these various tragedies how terrible he is at the job he has. And usually, when you're terrible at the job you have, you don't get promoted. So, looking at this issue, uh, they they always do this kind of thing. They try to simplify it and they they distort it and misrepresent. Anybody that you hear say, oh, the Republicans are trying to ban books. Here, here's the, um, the, uh, the, the interpretation. Let me, let me reinterpret that. These are the kinds of books when you are 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old that in no era in the country's history would reading material like this so graphic, pornographic in nature – And I I am struck by a piece that I saw on the Fox News channel at the very beginning of this week, a pastor, forgive me, I forget his name, but he's addressing a school board. And he's got the book that's, that's available in their library, in their curriculum. And he's reading this, and they're shutting him down, telling him he can't read it. And he yells at them doggedly. He says, hey, if you make our children's eyes see this, then you can hear it. So after the bottom of the hour break, we want to take your calls on the Brian Kilmeade Show about this issue. It's not about burning books, banning books. It's about the content. 866-408-7669. 866-408-7669. That's your point of entry to the Brian Kilmeade Show today in our next segment. And remember, you've got school librarians, you have other people that work in these um, schools where they have to be concerned. You check that book out, and one day you may be guilty of giving out obscenity and pornography to young children. There, there are a lot of elements to this, but it's not what Pete Buttigieg said. I promise you, that is your oversimplification, distortion political tripe response from a not-so-good guy. We'll be back. Your calls are next. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison Pete and Eric Harry Hurley filling in today for Brian, who will be back on Monday. Uh, this will be a good few seconds spent before we get right to your calls on the Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. You're going to want to participate if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're an uncle, an aunt, if you're just a, a, a normal thinking person that knows that this, this content that's being put in front of the eyes of children that are way too young to even know what this is. What, what, why do they want to do this? It, it shouldn't be that they get away with calling us somehow intolerant or extreme, that we're the bad guys. It should be, how dare you? If you did that on a park bench with a child, you'd be locked up. How is this legal to do this in schools? It should not be. And earlier in the week on the Fox News Channel, this was this was fantastic. 
and forgive me, this last name is amazing, Reverend John Amachua uh, in uh, North Carolina. This is the Asheville City Board of Education, and he's given it to them. He has given it to them, but good. Take a listen. Thanks, Eric. If you don't want to hear it in a school board meeting, why should children be able to check it out of the school system? See, we have perverts that are perverting our kids. And you all sit back smug in your chairs and celebrate diversity, equity, and inclusion, but you don't want me to read it so you can hear it. And the great audio is not anything to do with the great Eric Uh, I watched this live, and he made an impression on me, and it was days ago. He stepped away from the microphone. Uh, That audio was as it was. There was no degradation there on Eric's part. He stepped away from the microphone to get closer to these board members because they are outrageous. They're outrageous. They And what you don't know unless you know is they wanted to shut him down. He's reading that to the board. He had the book right there. He's reading it to the board. They're shutting him down because – they want it in the curriculum. They want your little children to see this, this, this garbage, but they don't want to listen to it, which tells you all you need to know who is wrong and who is right. Michael joins the Brian Kilmeade Show in South Carolina. Michael, you've chosen wisely. You listen to, you listen to Brian. Welcome. You're on the air. Thank you. You're doing a great job. You know, that, that uh, little uh, bit you just did shows exactly the mentality. They want to implement this insane – I don't even know what to call it. It's just insanity. How can someone even think this stuff up? It just blows my mind. They want to implement this stuff to our children. I mean, you know, I know people are going to do crazy stuff to to adults, and but when we're dealing with our children and we have no say-so, come on. And, Michael, that is the point. Yep, your righteous indignation is on point. And what we need to win, we need to just be better than the other side at speaking the truth because we're not intolerant. We're not the bad guys. We don't want our little children to be exposed to graphic pornography at an inappropriate age that, again, if this was done by any adult, if you grabbed a little child and and sat next to them on a park bench – and you started showing them these pictures and reading them these these words, you would be arrested, you would be convicted, you would be a child sexual offender, you'd be a Megan's List registered offender for the, probably the rest of your life, then how in the world are they allowed to do this in public schools and even in libraries? So, Michael, thank you for calling the Brian Kilmeade Show. You are exactly right about this. We cannot let them get away with making the good guys the bad guys. It's all part of bizarro world. Everything's upside down, inside out at the moment. Julie is listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show in Hudson, Ohio, over WHLO. Julie, welcome to Brian's program. Oh, thank you. So glad I could address this. Um, I wanted to make a few points. Number one, what most parents and citizens don't realize, these same books are in the public library. And I'm sure they're in your community. They're in ours. You can do a title search online at your public library as well as your school library for gender queer girl on the shore. In these books, in one of them is embedded in the book, gender queer, a link to take children to an online 
adult porn site. It's in the book. Check for yourself. Hey, Julie, let me let me let me ask you a very blunt question about all of this, because we know they're doing it and we know they're trying to make any parent, any grandparent, any citizen, any American who just this challenges our, our sensibilities to be able to comprehend why why are you doing this? Why there has to be a reason. I mean, is it that you're trying to literally destroy the fabric uh, to steal the innocence of young children? What is the reason they're doing this? Well, the reason they give, it's under the the banner of inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, there is no reason. But again, but, Julie, but even if that is so, and I'm not buying it, then there's a, a, such a thing called age appropriateness. So that is something you would teach later. Like they have different programs in different states, DARE programs, cessation programs to have children not drink. But you're not teaching a five-year-old to to not drink alcohol. You're waiting till maybe, and it used to be maybe sixth grade, maybe now it's a little bit before that because they find that some people are experimenting with alcohol and with drugs earlier. But even if that is true, you would wait until it's age appropriate. They're not ready to process this, this this pornography, this 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 smut. It's it's so I don't get their their angle to teach young children like this this kind of content. I honestly, I think it's to desensitize children to have respect for their own bodies, for the values they've been taught, as far as morality. Uh, when you start introducing this to young children, it takes away. Um, the, uh, the vulnerable, it makes them more vulnerable to being approached by adults uh, for having sex. And it, it, I saw this push, and it's throughout the country. By, by the way, Julie, I don't think that's a stretch to say that this would encourage earlier promiscuity because they're going to be very curious about things that they would never have been exposed to for many, many years later. Julie, we want to run. We want to get as many calls in as we can uh, in this segment with Brian's listeners. But you made a very good point there, and I think that is a large portion of it. I would also say that the only thing that I can think of, because when something makes no sense, and never in American history would this ever be done, it's making perfect sense to people that have a certain agenda. In my opinion, I think that agenda is indoctrination to get them when they're young, and then you get them in this area, and then you get them in the next area, and that's all I can think of because there is no credible explanation for graphic sexual-type content at such a young age when they don't even know what it means. It, it, it has to be early indoctrination. Dana joins the Brian Kilmeade program in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Dana. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. It's my pleasure. Um, the result and the repercussions of these books being in libraries, just look up Plainview ISD, Texas. It happened earlier this month. Three little six-year-olds got caught having oral sex, little girl giving oral sex to a boy under a desk while another one videoed it or recorded it on the district-owned and uh, given iPad. Well, that's that is just ter- that's terrible to hear. I had not heard that uh, before you mentioned it, and and I I don't dispute that it's true. And if it's true, it's terrible. And they would have been taught. They would have been taught something that they never would have seen 
uh, for a period of time in their lifetimes. Dana, thank you so much for calling the Brian Kilmeade program. We're going to head to Oklahoma, visit with Gala on the Brian Kilmeade show. Welcome. You're on the air. Thank you so very much. I don't speak very eloquently, well, but you sound, I will. You're say, off to a great start already. Don't 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 be worried. Tell us what you think. I witnessed the very uh, atrocious books in our own uh, college town of Stillwater, and uh, I I I see it trying to infiltrate into our public schools. I am trying my best to support and fight against this. I think it is totally, sir, a spiritual battle. It is to uh, indoctrinate our children at a very, very young age. I'm, I'm just, I'm just sickened by it all. It's blatant pornography in our little children's faces. It makes me ferociously upset. Thank you, Gala. I appreciate your passion, and I, I join you in it. Uh, I'm, I'm a father. I'm a young grandfather. I'm so proud of my grandson, who just got all kinds of awards the other night. We were there. And, and I think about what these adults are purposefully subjecting young children to at such an age-inappropriate type setting. Uh, I mean, you know, school is supposed to be a place where you feel safe, where just outrageous type things like this should not even be remotely possible. But we know there are other examples where, my goodness, you, you need uh, 10 documents to take an aspirin, but they want to be able to take your child away uh, and take them somewhere and have a procedure possibly and not tell the parents. I mean, it is it is all backwards, upside down, crazy. And like they did in Virginia, make no mistake it, no mistake about it, Terry McAuffle, was going to win a second term as governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia until he said parents have should have no say in their children's education. Now that is that is crazy talk. That is that is just nuts at every level and could only come from a career politician creature. How could they possibly not understand the incredible nurturing role that parents and grandparents and siblings and aunts and uncles all have with with their children. And, and it's just amazing what um, is going on. We have to push back legally, of course. We have to do it effectively. We can't let them call us names. You can't let them get away with saying you're a bad person because you go to a school board meeting or you should have an FBI file because you went to a school board meeting and spoke out about certain conditions. Back to your calls. Mike is in Florida. Mike, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mike, go right ahead. Hey, how you doing there? You're there. Um, yeah, I just wanted to um, say basically I'm on the same page as the rest of these people. I mean, the, we have three grandkids that are in school. Uh, fortunately, we've been able to put them all in um, private school, so I'm hoping they're not reading the books that these other kids are having to read in the public schools. But the fact that they're even subjected to it means that's not the last thing on their agenda. This there you is go. something to just just get them started in the wrong direction, to get what? them where they don't listen to the parents or the grandparents anymore. Um, 
you know, back when we went to school, you, you know, you would get you would get detention suspended for anything. Now, if you even look crooked at a kid, next thing you know, you're getting sued because of the way you treated their kid in school who's a brat. Right. You, you may know. not have honored some pronoun that you didn't know or something, you know, right. that you just have no apparent knowledge right. of. Mike, Mike, thank you for a great call. And you said a lot in a short period of time. To uh, Omaha, Nebraska, we had Jim is listening to the Brian Kilmeade show because he's obviously very, very smart. Hello, Jim. Hello. You said previously that we are not intolerant. I say we need to be intolerant. We need to not tolerate this stuff. Somebody treats my daughter like this. They're going to get their rear end kicked right there. Jim, let me let me give me a chance. Not that I need to defend myself. I meant it in the best way. I am with you. Zero tolerance on pornography. We're, we're in agreement, and I was probably inartful in the way that I utilized the word. I knew how I meant it. I, I, I agree with you uh, in substance in terms of we cannot tolerate uh, tiny little children that can't possibly understand what they're showing to them, and we have to challenge with all of our, our might uh, – to, to make sure that they don't continue to be able to get away with doing it. And when Pete Buttigieg and people like him try to say that we want to burn books and ban books like we're banning, you know, some some pleasant book. Uh, no, no, this is just getting you. If you're in favor of that book for a, a six or a 10 year old, you're the problem. You asked a previous caller, why are they doing this? It's NAMBLA, North American Man Boy Love Association. These people, they run Hollywood, they run the media, they run the Democrat Party. Jim, ever hears Jim, Jeffrey Epstein? Jim I'm, not, I'm not cutting you short. I, I have to go. We are at the break. We took as many calls in that segment. We took quite a few. And appreciate hearing from you on the Brian Kilmeade Show. We will be right back. Don't go away. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison, Pete, and Eric. Harry Hurley filling in. And uh, that famous announcer got it right. Breaking news via the Brian Kilmeade Show, via Reuters news service. United States Senator Tim Scott is running for president. Now, that's that, that's not shocking. You knew it. You knew it was coming. But now he is officially a declared candidate for president of the United States, the field just expanded on the Republican side by one. More about that, I know, when Brian gets back. Tommy joins the Brian Kilmeade program in Oklahoma. Tommy, thank you for calling in. You're on the air. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. First time caller. Listen every day for sure. Wonderful. Uh, I, I was going to make a couple of points uh, to, to answer the big question of why I think this would all be going you know, in different cultures, the legal age of, of girls, of women, is a lot lower than the U.S. I mean, uh, you know, Australia 16, uh, a lot of places overseas is, is even lower, 12 to 14. I think a big motivation, they're trying to lower the legal age of women. They, uh, you know, talk about the American culture that we're late. In a lot of these cultures, even the men, even boys are working at 11, 12, maybe 13 years old at the latest. And it's about contribution to the family. So I'll tell you, they are. But, but Tommy, let to... me ask you if that whole narrative is true. And I have no reason to, to discount what you're saying. 
But if all that's true, what do they pick such a young age to show this kind of stuff to? I think they want to condition our kids as much as I. they are never going to condition me and you to accept this zero tolerance, just like you said. But if they can if they can get the children to accept each other, get the boys to accept this for the girls and so forth. And, of course, you've got obviously the the LGBTQ community that pushes it. But I think ultimately. They just they pick on us. We're late in life. We have our young men, teenagers sitting around the house. A lot Tommy, of I'm jumping in only because of the clock. It's the end of the hour. Uh, let me say, I, I don't necessarily buy. It, it's not everyone should be against every community, every community, hetero. You know, every single community should be against age inappropriateness. So I, I don't think it's any one group that's pushing it but i do believe that this is a um this is a decided strategy and it it is not for no reason it has to be for some reason they know what it is thank you for listening this is the brian kilmeade show the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.